Hello, people of the world, and welcome to today's episode of the Unity Project Podcast. For today's episode, I got to interview one of the coolest people around, Megan Perdue. Megan is an incredible friend of mine from Nashville, and she has such an inspiring story that I have had the honor of hearing and getting to know over the past year and a half or so since meeting her. Megan has type 1 diabetes and fibromyalgia, so it was really interesting hearing her story of how her relationship with her body has shifted and changed and really become something beautiful that inspires me like no other. We talk about that. We talk about binge eating disorder and just ways that she has learned how to accept herself and focus on progress and not perfection. I'm super excited for you to listen to this episode, so enjoy! I am great. It's so good to hear your voice. So good to hear your voice. I have missed you so much. I think it's been like seven, eight months since I've seen you. What? Wait, has it been? It's been a long enough period of time with COVID that I've kind of lost track. It's been a while. And that makes me sad because I miss your face. So this is really exciting. Oh my gosh, that just absolutely. For those of you listening, Megan is such a good friend of mine from my Nashville days, which I'm currently living in Nashville days, so I don't know why I made that sound like it was in the past, but (laughs) Megan's amazing. I met her through an old roommate of mine, and actually, the story of how I almost met Megan is really funny, and I'd love to share it really quick. Absolutely. Basically, (laughs) so Megan was coming home to, or Megan was coming over to our house with my roommate, Jake. Do you think he'd care if we said his name? I don't think so. I mean, Jake, we love you to pieces. So listen to this podcast and know that we love you. Okay, amazing. Jake, you also have to be on this podcast. Just saying, pressure is now really on. (laughs) Um, But so Megan was coming over to hang out with Jake after they just went out karaoke. And didn't he win like $40 that night from karaoke? We could tell stories for days about Jake and karaoke. So (laughs) we're going to let that one slide. (laughs) Let it slide. But basically, I thought I was alone in the house before they got home. And so I was pantsless, underwearless, and phoneless. And I ran into the bathroom to just like, I think I was like getting ready for bed. And I closed the door. And then all of a sudden, I hear voices come in. And Megan's voice, who I had never heard before, comes in. And I'm like, oh, my God. Someone's in the house. And, so, and I didn't have my phone. And I was embarrassed. So I was just kind of like stranded in my bathroom for like 20 or 30 minutes. Yep. And the best part was on my end, Jake was like, I really want you to meet Jackie. She's super cool. She's like (laughs) the most fun. You're going to have a blast getting to know her. And then he was like, I wonder if maybe she's not okay. Maybe we should leave. (laughs) It was just a great time. That's so funny. Meanwhile, I'm just like stripped in the bathroom waiting for a place to go. That's so funny. Uh, Memories. Memories. But then we met later down the road, and it has just been history since then with our Trader Joe's cookies and cheese and wine and all the fancy Megan, Jackie, Jake, and Tyler things. Exactly. So many parties. So many fun times. Yes. But Megan, I'm super, super excited to talk to you today about this conversation because I know you have a really interesting story when it comes to like the relationship that you have with your body. We've had a lot of conversations about it in the past. And so I'm super excited for you to be on here. Thank you for wanting to come on and share your story a little bit. Oh, of course. Um, Yeah, I am really pumped to be here. I feel like (laughs) that's my puppy, by the way. He's going to try to interrupt as often as possible. His name is Milo and he's the best. And he likes to talk while I'm talking. He's very cute. He's pretty precious. Um, But yeah, my relationship with my body has just gone through a whole lot of changes over the course of my life. And so I really am excited to get to talk about it because I feel like the place that I'm at now is so different from where I have been with my body that I really do want to celebrate where I have come to, you know, the progress that I've made has been so significant. 
that I don't want to just kind of feel that progress on my own and not tell the world about it. So that's why I'm here. That's amazing. I'm super excited to hear that. Just watching your your posts and things you say on social media, it's really in, encouraging to me to read that. To just know you personally and know your story and to see that, it's really it's really been great for me to see. Um, well, thanks. But my, my first question for you is what I've asked everyone at the beginning of these podcasts, is to describe the relationship that you have with your body right now. Good question. The relationship I have with my body right now is one of gratitude. That's the word I want to pick. I have hated my body in so many phases. So for me to appreciate it is significant. Um, I get to go to sleep in this body. I get to wake up in this body. I get to eat good food in this body. I get to exercise in this body, hug puppies in this body, play music in this body. I have, I think, a lot in my heart and in my mind, and my body is part of that rather than a separate piece now, which is really huge for me. Mm. I don't always love how my body doesn't like to work with me. (laughs) Um, I have type 1 diabetes and fibromyalgia and a couple of stomach things that are just kind of tricky. So it means that my body and I don't always have a great relationship medically, but it still allows me to live life really fully. So I've learned to appreciate how it does work well and where it doesn't work well. I've learned to, you know, be honest with myself and accept when I need that time off. And my brain does so much better when I give my body the time off. So it it ends up sometimes when my body wants a break, the rest of me does better. So it's been a really nice experience to grow into really accepting that about myself and being willing to still be okay at the end of the day with myself. Oh, Megan, that was a beautiful answer. I love, I love how you talked about you get to wake up in that body and eat good food and pet puppies because I think we don't really realize sometimes, or at least for me, I think I, I've had a lot of problems in my life realizing what my body does for me versus feeling mm. like it's just this separate entity that is frustrating and doesn't do what I want and I need to shape and mold and make it look this way or feel this way and but like actually acknowledging like what your body does for you and the way you get to experience the world through it is such an incredible thing so the word gratitude you used was perfect for that well thanks I am glad to be here you know when I picture how I viewed my body even just like five years ago Even a year ago, honestly, I think I would have not had the same answer. I think I would have said, you know, I have a full mind and a full heart that loves doing things and a body that doesn't want to let me do them. Mm. And I think the way my perspective has changed has a lot to do with the way that I've kind of taken control of my own perspective with my mind and realized that, you know, my mind and my body are not separate entities. I don't have to shape the body outside of my mind. Mm. Um, And the fact that I've been able to kind of take control of the way that I eat in a sense that I feel good about eating. I don't punish myself for eating um, by doing, you know, the nutrition stuff that I do with my mom and the exercise that I do with her, which is just, it has changed my life, you know, in the last year to have her impact being able to help encourage me, you know, love the body you're in because every day you get to be stronger and progress, not perfection is really defining the end goal here has just been really huge for me. So it's really, I think it's really cool to be able to see where I was compared to where I am in saying, you know, I still have type one, I still have fibromyalgia, things still hurt a lot. You know, my stomach still likes to be finicky, but I am happy regardless. And I get to choose that way more. So I like that a lot. That is so great. So, so great. Do you want to share a little bit of your history, kind of like a little bit more about where you've been, I guess the history of your relationship with your body, what it has looked like in the past and kind of the journey to getting where you are now? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. So when I was little, I remember thinking, you know, I kind of look different from even my siblings because I had blonde hair and 
they had really dark hair and my brother had me thoroughly convinced I was adopted because that's what brothers like to do. <laughs> classic. Um, yeah, classic brother move. Um, but I remember thinking, you know, I'm taller, I'm bulkier, I have more muscles, I'm a lot stronger than my friends. And I remember having my friends kind of shame me for that, whether they did it intentionally or not, because I was different. And then I started teaching when I was 12. Um, so I was working at a young age. I started a paper route when I was eight. So, you know, been in the job force for a long time now. Wow. Um, so it, <laughs> awesome. I just was a weird, different kid, you know, and I had personality traits that had some rough edges around them that I, you know, needed to work on. But any kid does. We all have stuff to do with our minds. And it ended up just coming out in a lot of frustration with the fact that my body didn't ever fit the mold. And I think I slowly kind of devolved into a pattern of emotional eating to support, you know, the fact that food tastes good and has always tasted good to me and made me feel good, even though I then felt like crap after. Mm. So I developed tendencies towards binge eating disorder, where by the time I was in college, you know, I was finishing a whole bag of chips and feeling terrible with every single bite and feeling like I couldn't stop. Oh. And it was really, really hard to then look at that body that still didn't fit any of these molds and be okay with myself because I was like, well, I've never fit the mold. I don't now. And then my pancreas broke in the end of freshman year of college, probably from all the stress I was in in college, my pancreas kind of gave out on me, um, which autoimmune disease stuff is complicated, but type one is an autoimmune disease. It can happen different ways, but for me, it was probably being sick with other stuff and then having stress and it just kind of started a perfect storm. So I lost a lot of weight prior to diagnosis, because, and I, I hate to phrase it quite so starkly, but essentially your body is starving from the lack of being able to put glucose in your cells through insulin. Mm. And I, it was the first time I felt great about my body. And I felt so terrible that that's why I felt good about my body. I felt so sick. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but mm. I had weighed less than I had in a long time. I looked better in clothes. I thought than I had in a long time. And then I got on insulin, which kept my body from starving and my body preserved a lot of weight quickly because that's what it does. You know, when you've been starving for a couple months, your body's like, okay, let's, you know, hold on to what you're now finally eating. And my weight just kind of shot up in my opinion. It really kind of went nuts for a minute. And I had started exercising more and I felt good about that, but I still really hated the way I looked in clothes and didn't feel comfortable you know, around anything touching my middle. I didn't want my clothes to touch my middle. I wanted them to be loose and not show my stomach having scars from my type one injections and all sorts of things. And it was just really hard to be able to reconcile the fact that I never felt when I was younger, like I was, you know, fitting a mold. It wasn't a departure from a mold. It was just getting further and further away from the normal. Yeah. And it just kind of broke me a little bit. And I started going to therapy at the end of sophomore year of college for some other stuff. But leading up to going to therapy, I had started to experience dissociative episodes where I didn't even feel like I was in my body. I didn't even feel like I was in my own brain, much less my body. And it was really, really scary because I was like, I may not like my body, but I'd like to know where I'm going. Like if I'm walking down the street, I want to know where I am. Oh, that's so scary. Um, Wait, how old were you during this? This was when I was probably 19, 20, somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that was, that was tough. That was really scary. Um, I had been through some things before that had been detrimental to my emotional health uh, on an invasion of privacy level of my body. I'm just going to put it that way for now. Mm. And it had, I think it had just kind of, put me in a space where it was really easy for me to slip into dissociation without even knowing that's what I was doing. Yeah. And then by the time I started going to therapy and realizing like, Oh wow, I had no idea how deep in this hole I really was. I had no idea how to rebuild my relationship with my body. Cause I was like, I, I don't even know. I haven't had a good one. It's not like I'm fixing it. It's like I'm starting over. Yeah. So I did a lot of groundwork in therapy of having to learn, you know, 
who I am and why I'm worthy and why I matter to myself, not just to, you know, God, who is a big part of my life, not just to my parents, not just to, you know, my dog, but why should I matter to me? And then through that, I was closer than I ever had been in kind of getting a better relationship with my body. And then a year and a half ago, my mom called me and was like, Hey, do you want to try this program with me, this fitness thing? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. It's a fitness program. Like those are diets and I don't do that. And I don't know what to do with this. And I've tried so many other things and none of them have worked. Why would this work? And I said, let me do some research. Let me read about it. And I read about it and it was eat real food, exercise, change your mindset. That was it. No celery juice, no weird minerals, no, right. No creepy eat 400 calories a day. And you're going to look like a model. Like it was, it made me eat more than I was eating as a girl who was struggling with binge eating disorder to eat more than I was eating. I was like, are you kidding me? What? (laughs) This is insane. How, how does this work? How I got to try it now. I need to know. So I tried it. And in six weeks felt better than I ever had. I had more energy. I was sleeping. I was proud of myself for the first time in forever. I was like, wow, okay. Apparently I needed to actually eat food and actually like my body and actually try. And this would make a difference. And, you know, I'm still following the same eat whole foods and exercise and be proud of yourself mindset that I had started back then with my mom. So is she. And I feel amazing. You know, I am sleeping. I wake up ready to love myself, not ready to hate myself that day. I wear crop tops because I want to. I don't care that I have, you know, (laughs) insulin tubing sticking out of me at every which angle and all sorts of stuff. I just want to be me and the body that I'm in. And I'm proud of that. And that's crazy. I don't think I could have even imagined feeling this way every day. It's not like, you know, on one day when I wake up and see, Oh, I look skinny that I'm like feeling good. Cause that's not what happens. I wake up and I'm like, oh, my legs are strong and they're going to carry me down these stairs. And I'm going to drink some coffee and pet my dog and do some workout stuff and feel good to be me. And I think the coolest little thing, you know, sometimes it's hard to celebrate big wins. So little wins are the ones that I like to go for. The coolest little thing is I have stopped staring at myself in the mirror all the time. Sometimes I forget what I look like because I don't look at myself in the mirror anymore, but I'm not constantly overanalyzing my appearance in the mirror and I'm just, you know, living and it's weird. I didn't think that was possible, but it really is. And that's cool. That is amazing. Tell yeah. me tell me more about like, because I know that, I mean, for those listening, if they don't know, I um, was in treatment earlier this year for an eating disorder. And I know that we learned like a lot about kind of, I guess the underlying like whys behind those things and things that were at least like for me, like that I was avoiding or running from or trying to numb out or distract myself from like with, with an eating disorder. What did that look like for you? Like, do you feel like there was something that that was kind of helping you with or? Mm, Good question. Um, I think it would have been easier to say rather than I was running from something that I was running to something. I was running to the feeling of food being good, you know, Mm. to the good taste of chips or savory foods or sweets or whatever it is that is the hard thing to put down. Um, at the same time, my brain was shaming me from eating everything from a zucchini to a bowl of ice cream. So it didn't really matter how much of the food I ate. Everything was this whole consequences mindset. And it was, I mean, you can consider the fact that binge eating is essentially where you're eating something and feeling shame about eating whatever quantity it is to the extent that you feel out of control. And it doesn't always look like you're eating a huge amount of food. Sometimes you're just eating with out of control shame, but you also feel like you can't stop. So you could be eating zucchini, like I mentioned, and just eating a ton of zucchini, which is not a ton of calories, but still feel that shame and that out of control that's kind of feeding off each other. And I felt that about almost anything I put in my mouth. So when it really came down to it, I was running to the feeling of the food tasting good. And I also was running 
I was trying to run out of the feeling of feeling out of control, but I never fixed it, you know, just eating and trying to feel like I was in control, never, you know, did anything. It was learning to actually eat and enjoy what I was eating and choose to not feel the shame. That was the real kicker for helping curb that, you know, cycle. Yeah. Because I was starting to feel, you know, this food is fueling me. And if I don't eat it, I'm not getting enough fuel to do what I want to do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you're saying, what I'm hearing is like you were running to the food to try to run to a feeling that was good because the food tasted good. Right. Okay, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Do you feel like you were doing that because you weren't feeling good in other ways and you were trying to look to like fill gaps or something? I think so. Yeah, I think I was looking for validation in a lot of areas. And when you can't quickly find validation, you're going to go for the stuff that is concrete, you know, and so eating food that tastes good is a concrete win, you know, it's going to taste good. Let's say you have a favorite food and you eat it every time you eat it, with the exception of, you know, if it spoils or something, it's going to taste good. So you have a, a very easy, normal, if you know what I mean. So it means that going to food as a a normal can kind of feel like it's fixing those scary, not normal things. And with some of the stuff that I've been through, it was really easy to, you know, just want normal and avoid everything else. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely makes sense. What kind of, so you're saying that, uh, the stuff that you do with your mom, that's been a really big help as far as kind of showing you what it could look like on the other side of that? Yes. Okay. What did, was that like really hard at the beginning to try to, I guess, figure out just, just cause I know like from with me, like I'm so used to doing everything this one specific way and like, this is what I right. eat and this is how, and this is why. And like trying to do anything else is just trying to like retrain my brain to a different way. And it almost feels scary. And to me, it kind of felt like an identity crisis almost of like, mm. what am I without this? What was that like kind of starting up that journey with your mom? Yeah, um, I definitely felt that way about my cooking because I cook a lot. So I felt a little scared to jump into possibly cooking differently until I realized, you know, whole food is whole food. It's like real things. So it wasn't at all different in concept from what I was already trying to cook. It was maybe just picking things that were, you know, a little less processed Um, I think the scariest part about it is that I, I kind of had this personal thought, the same pattern, like you were saying, you know, I have these, who am I if I don't do this thing? Cause this is just the way I do things about eating breakfast. And with the, the program that we started, which is, it's called the faster way to fat loss, talking about fasting, like intermittent fasting, which means you don't eat breakfast. And I was like, well, who am I if I don't eat my two eggs every morning? That's what I do every single morning. And I don't know how to not eat two eggs for breakfast. I've never done that, you know? I've been making two eggs for breakfast forever. And it was really hard to kick my brain out of that mode. And oh my goodness, I don't even want breakfast anymore. I love not eating till noon. You know, I get to wake up and have my coffee and do my workout and there's no stress to try to eat before I try to do other stuff in my day. So then I'm not risking like feeling that kind of out of control. I'm out of time. Let me scarf down this food because I need it feeling. Instead, I get to really enjoy lunch because lunch is like this big, wonderful thing every day. And it really, it was terrifying to feel like I could even make it to noon. And now it's like the best part of my day is eating lunch. (laughs) And I love it. It's great. Yeah. That's really awesome. How do you feel like this has kind of impacted like kind of just like if you were thinking of like your body as like a separate part of you? Because a lot of a lot of the things that we would do in treatment were like a lot of like letter writing, like from ourself to our body and then like from our body back to ourself. Like, do you feel like the relationship between you and your body has shifted like or like how how do you feel like that shifted and what does that look like? I think we have one now. I think we have a relationship now. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that my body would have written back a few years ago. I think if I tried to write a letter to my body, it would have been pretty mean. So I don't think my body would have wanted to write back. Um, I think now if I wrote a letter to my body, I'd be like, hey, you know that one scar you have? That's actually a funny story. Let me tell you about it. Or, 
uh, you know how you felt so self-conscious about your stomach. Well, guess what? You're wearing crop tops now and you feel really great in them or things that my body might say back to me would be like, you've worked really hard on your mind and your body shows it. You know, you look less stressed, you feel better. And I just think that would be, it'd be nice if I could, you know, actually write a letter to my body and have my body write back. I think we'd have a conversation instead of a shaming shutdown, which is probably what it would have been. Yeah. That's really special. I love conversations like this so much just because like, I didn't used to think about it this way. Like I thought my body, I didn't think of my body as like any kind of part of me. It was just like this thing that I was trying to change all the time and right. felt Well, we think we can it. control it. So we, we put it as like a separate entity in our minds. Cause we're like, Oh yeah, my body, I, I have control of that. As opposed yeah. to thinking, no, really the thing I, I can work on is my mind. And then my mind can learn to love my body no matter where it is. You know, I love my body in a lot of different phases. I don't think my body sits in, you know, the same every day. Sometimes I feel really strong doing this particular thing or that particular thing, or I want to dress this certain way or feel this certain way about my makeup or whatever it is or lack thereof. And I think if I was to look at my body and say, okay, I have to control you. I'd have a lot more trouble than saying my body is just another way I get to express what my mind is feeling. Yeah. That's really cool. It's kind of like just this vehicle to be like, this is me. Right. It's like a fashion statement, you know, you get to (laughs) use your body in all sorts of cool ways. (laughs) That's awesome. Tell me more about, um, what it's like living with, you said type one diabetes and yeah. And then fibromyalgia. Yes. Yeah. I, I imagine, and I know we've had conversations in the past about it, Um, but I imagine that could be really taxing on just how you view your body and thinking like, why aren't you working with me? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't have an experience in that area, but what is is that like? I know with most of my conversations with friends, I try to not, you know, make it scary because I love my friends. I don't want them to be scared for me. Um, but also in a podcast, I feel like I want to be blunt and honest and type one is terrifying. Um, essentially you are handed a diagnosis, which often is given to you when you're young. Many people are diagnosed with type one when they're just kids or teenagers that essentially says, you know, here is the reality of your condition. You have to take care of yourself. And if you don't, or if you do it wrong, you could die. Meaning many type one deaths while they are, you know, myriad reasons for occurring can be user error, if you will. Mm. So that is hard. Um, Some days, I don't even think about it. Some days I'm like, oh yeah, I'm technically an American with a disability, right? I forgot. And other days I'm like, literally the only thing I can think about today is how my body will never be the same. Mm. Um, So that can be really hard. And what it looks like on a day-to-day basis is, you know, I have to change my infusion set, which is where insulin goes in my body from my insulin pump every three days. So that leaves a fairly decent sized scar behind every three days. Um, I have to change the thing that reads my glucose, my CGM is what that's called every 10 days. That leaves a smaller scar, but it, it tends to leave adhesive scars where the adhesive will kind of tear your skin a little bit. Um, just because it's on for so long, it's supposed to be pretty sticky. And this is like progress from before. I used to be on multiple daily injections, which is MDI, it's shots. And when I was having to do shots of insulin, I was sticking myself at least six times a day. So the amount of scar tissue was just astronomical for such a small space of my body being on my stomach. Wow. Um, And it, it can just feel very you feel like you're disconnected. You know, I was living in this body and it was working fine. And then suddenly it isn't. And now it's full of holes. And I have to be thinking about what I'm eating all the time. And every time I eat something with carbs, even if it's super duper healthy, like a green smoothie, I still have to take insulin. And it doesn't matter what kind of carb it is, but it sort of does because then I have to calculate like the ratios of how long the insulin needs to be working in my system. And it's a ton of math. It's disrupted sleep. It's anxiety over paying for medication. It's 
anxiety over your lifespan possibly being affected or having complications arise, even if you're doing your very best. It's a lot of unknowns while also having to wake up and have type one every day. There are no days off with type one. So yeah, sometimes I'll do things for myself now that really feel good. Like I'll make sure my insulin levels are really stable. I'll eat a snack if I need to. And then I'll go like hop in my parents' pool and take the pump off and take like an hour without it. And even just having that mind freedom has been like a game changer for me lately because it's really hard, you know, with type one, not really getting breaks. You can carefully make a break happen and it's really nice, but then you have to put it back on after that hour and keep living that way. So it can just be tiring. Um, It's really hard to always love your body when your body doesn't seem to be loving you back very well. Um, And then when you add fibromyalgia to it, it just feels mean (laughs) because fibromyalgia is essentially a pain condition where it's not very well understood, but the simplest way I can describe it, and I'm not a doctor, even though my parents are, so take this with a grain of salt, listeners, but here's how I describe it. Fibromyalgia is a pain condition where even though your body is not actually injured, your brain cues your pain receptors as though you are. So it likes to tell your muscles and your joints that you are injured, like your muscles and joints hurt a lot more. They get tired faster. Um, They can feel inflamed, even though they're not actually, there's nothing actually wrong with them. It's often compared to rheumatoid arthritis without having the actual uh, different levels of, I think it's an enzyme. I can't remember. Don't quote me on that. Um, (laughs) That affects your body with rheumatoid arthritis that actually does stuff. Whereas with fibromyalgia, it's kind of your pain receptors going wonky. Wow. So it's, it just feels, you know, vindictive to have fibromyalgia on top of type one. I'm like, really? My insulin is already a thing I have to be sticking in my body all the time. And now it also hurts. So oh my gosh, it can just be tiring. But the craziest thing is that my fibromyalgia and my type one have been so much easier to manage since I started like exercising in a sustainable way, not over exercising not punishing myself with exercise, but literally something as simple as a walk can help. You know, yeah. if I go for a walk, especially from having a tough fibro day or my blood sugar is being kind of wonky, it almost always levels it right out. Oh, and it's wow. crazy. You know, it's taking the chance on your body to do something specific and simple and non-punishing. And it really makes a difference. So that really helps. And then sleeping. Sleeping is the other thing that makes a big difference. Okay. So if you don't get enough sleep, all that inflammation gets way worse because your body's like, okay, let's be ready to fight or flight. And I guess we got to be on high alert all the time. Wow. So those two things are my things that I've had to choose for myself a lot. You know, I have to be able to sleep so that I can let my body rest and I have to be able to exercise without punishing myself for food that I eat, for choices that I make, anything else like that. Yeah. Do you feel like you used to exercise in like a punishing kind of way? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it was one of those, oh, I ate that. So now I need to go like rage walk for an hour or something. (laughs) Um, And that was definitely significant in the phases where the binge eating struggles were the strongest. I really had a lot of that kind of punishing exercise thing. Now when I exercise, it's like, okay, how much stronger can I be than I was yesterday or can I lift more than I did last time? Or can I run farther? Or I'm going to turn on an episode of a TV show and I'm just going to work out and watch it, you know, and just have a fun time. I love that. Cause it's, it sounds more like working with your body than against your body. And just like, what can we do together? Right. Right. And it can do some cool stuff. Bodies are really dope. They do (laughs) all sorts of cool things. We just take it for granted a lot of times, you know? I love that. Why do you, I know that there's like some big, like kind of, of course answers, but why do you think the big reasons are, I guess, in today's society to, I guess, make us feel like we have to work against our bodies and shift and mold and change versus kind of the mindset that we're going for and that you're talking about now with working with your body and just being excited to find out what it could do? That is the most loaded question that is so hard to answer. But yeah. I think 
I think part of it, and I'm going to say this in the perspective of the average woman's experience in America, because I, I'm living in a world where, you know, the average woman's experience is all around me. So Mm -hmm. in America, so I'm going to say it from that perspective, we are shown normal through the media, through, you know, TV ads, through somehow this opinion that we all seem to share about what normal looks like or is or does. And very few people, including the models on those billboards who have been airbrushed out of recognition, feel like they are that normal. The women who are super thin feel like they're too thin and bony. The women who are not feel like no one will love them because they're too fat. The women who are strong feel like they're too muscular. The women who are weak feel like they're not strong enough. You know, there is no normal, but we all imagine that there is one. And we all work against our bodies because we're trying to find this fictitious normal rather than looking at our bodies and saying, whatever phase I'm in, whatever strength I have, I can be stronger in my mind about it and I can love my body where it's at and move forward with my own body for my own best benefit rather than this normal that doesn't actually exist because even those models are changed in those pictures we see and the things we hear about and the standards that are raised. Yeah. So I think for women, there's a lot of that factor of we don't talk about our minds being what we change. And we look at this normal that doesn't really exist and we chase after it rather than saying, you know, the thing I can control is my normal, you know, Mm -hmm. is my normal to feel good about myself or is my normal to hate myself? And that's the one that we get to change. And that's the one that I'm trying to change. That's what I want to help other people change, even just by talking about it more, that if you can control how you feel your body is worth anything, you can do a lot more good for yourself than, you know, any diet, any normal, any, anything else. Yeah. That's so well said. And especially when you're talking about just like, just speaking for the general population of like women in America, cause like I'll see like ads on like Twitter or Instagram for all these like diet culture type of programs. And right. I got really curious and I clicked the like, why am I seeing this ad thing? Mm. And it always says, because you're located in the target, like I could, I have to send you like a screenshot of this. Um, it says you're located in an audience targeted and then said, what is it? And it literally just says women located in the United States. And I'm like, are you oh kidding goodness. me? Are you serious? Are I you? didn't even yes. know that. That's crazy. Yes. Next time you see one of those ads on Twitter or Instagram, click, why am I seeing it? And I'll show you every single time. It makes me infuriated. I'm like, oh my gosh. We're it's just feeding into that idea that yes. you can't be normal. Oh my it's goodness. such crap. It's like, Oh my gosh. And and just like you're saying, it's never good enough. It's just this constant world of shame. And yeah. how can like diet culture is just like how can we make people hate themselves so they buy this? Right. It's literally what it is. And right. Oh, that's, I hate that. Me too. And that's what's so beautiful about what you say you do with your mom, because it's all about I mean, it sounds like just connecting with yourself and mm-hmm. living to like your potential and Right. And know, mindset is awesome. like the biggest piece of what we talk about. You know, we talk about how can you maybe reorder your eating, especially if you're chronically under eating, which hurts a lot of women really, really commonly to not eat enough. Our hormones really don't do well when we do that. But the bigger piece of that is how do you feel about what you're eating and how do you feel about yourself? Because if you don't feel like you can celebrate your wins, you're never going to make lasting progress, no matter what you do, you know? Yeah. You could be the perfect standard of health. You could be that normal that doesn't actually exist. And if you felt like you couldn't love yourself you wouldn't Mm, that's that's, really that's just so key what are are there like specific ways that you guys talk about changing your mindset or like like if for for those listening that are kind of like curious about what this journey would look like like maybe if they were at a place where they're kind of getting curious about maybe diet culture is not real maybe I need to change my mindset or learn to not try and fit myself in a mold like like, what are a few things I think, or how do I want to ask this? Or what are some things that you would say, I guess, as far as whether it's from like what you do with your mom or just your own personal experience of kind of where to start and ways you can shift your mindset with it? Absolutely. Um, well, I've got a couple ideas that I like to do for myself um, and with my mom. So the first 
thing that I think is really important is decide what a win is, a personal win. And if you can decide, if you can define a win, then I want you to make the definition as small as possible. So a personal win for me is drinking a cup of water. The more times I drink a cup of water, the more wins I have in a day. It's water. It's not that hard. (laughs) That's awesome. And that's my personal, that's my personal marker of a win. If I don't drink enough water one day, I don't get to the end of the day and say, well, you didn't check off enough cups of water. I get to the end of the day and say, guess what? You get to try again tomorrow. Let's Mm -hmm. drink at least one cup more tomorrow. You know, and that's my biggest thing that we talk about a lot with the program that my mom and I coach for is pick small non-scale victories. They don't have to do with a number. You are not tied to a number but you're tied to the idea of celebrating your own wins. So you've got to pick something and you've got to celebrate it and you should do it every day. Mm. And that's the thing that we talk about constantly. So that's one, pick a win, focus on it and celebrate it. Don't shame yourself. If you don't feel like you won that day, just try again tomorrow. The great thing is you get tomorrow to try again. Then the other thing that I like to say for myself is I like to preface whatever I'm going to do with, Something along the lines of, I'm choosing this for me. If I'm choosing to eat a food that is coconut ice cream, which is a thing I love because I can actually eat it. Hmm. I'm choosing coconut ice cream because I love coconut ice cream. I'm not choosing it because it's a treat that I deserve because I burned 400 extra calories today. I'm choosing it because I love coconut ice cream. Now, if I choose coconut ice cream every day, I will not sleep very well because my body doesn't, you know, handle processing the extra calories every day. But on the days that I choose it, oh, it's just because I want it, you know? Mm. (laughs) So I'm choosing this for me is another language I like to use. I do that with exercise too. I'm choosing to do this workout for me, not for anyone else, not for any other standard of beauty or anything like that. And then the other third thing that really inspires me a lot is watching my mom post on Instagram, especially she posts the coolest videos. You can check us out to Purdue progress on Instagram. And she is the most badass lady. She is 57 (laughs) white hair, just killing it. And she laughs when she makes mistakes. She stumbles. She laughs. She has the biggest grin on her face when she's picking up like 80 pounds of a deadlift. And you're like, who (laughs) even are you? And it's great. So watching her, just walk through life, being able to take control of her own mindset at this age and not feeling like it's too late because she was in a very different place. She was 50 pounds heavier and felt every weight of it on her emotions a year and a half ago. And it was all, it wore on her, her emotional state and she got her mind right. And just her body followed suit because her mind stopped going nuts. And so watching her post and watching her happiness and her, choice for her own best health is just really cool to me and I love seeing it yeah wow Megan that is awesome I love that so much I feel a lot of the things that I've been talking about with my therapist has been um just kind of ways that ways that I want to work to or how does she put this I like to focus on like a lot of distracting type of problems in my life rather than Mm. focusing on like the relationship I have with myself and not even just like my relationship with my body, but just my relationship with like my whole being of like, what do I actually want Mm. and why? And what do I not want? And what am I like betraying myself or how, what are ways I'm like really just betraying myself? Like how am I changing myself in this relationship or that relationship to stay inside this person's like, window of tolerance so that they're okay but I'm really just like betraying myself in the meantime and so when you were saying the thing about the coconut ice cream I just think that's so cool because that's literally just like you checking in with yourself what do you want you want coconut ice cream cool you get to have coconut ice cream right because you want it and that's the only reason that you need to have because it's just you're just giving yourself what what you want and and I'm also knowing that I I want to be strong and I want to feel good in my body and I want to sleep well. So I also know that if I always choose the ice cream, I will backslide into habits that hurt me. So I choose it carefully and I choose it when I want it and I celebrate it, you know, thoroughly when I want it 
rather than choosing it so often that I start to shame myself for it. That yeah. way it's worth what I chose, you know? And if I, if I restrict it myself, it doesn't help either. So I have to balance it really carefully and it takes a little bit of work, but it's really, really worth it. That's amazing. So, so cool, Megan. I am so excited that you're my friend. <laughs> I'm like, so excited you're my friend and talking about these things and asking people to consider them. Yeah. That's big work. That's big oh work. Gosh. It's just such like a new conversation for me in this weird way of like, I don't know, like before treatment, I just spent so much time avoiding myself and mm. numbing out in all these different ways and just going downhill because like the second something felt hard or scary or uncomfortable, I would like, what are ways I can just leave my body for a minute? Like how you're talking about like disassociation. We can get a whole conversation about that. Right. It's just like, there's so many things we do to not be present. And mm. when we're not being present, like, what are we, what are we doing? And so even just knowing about like the autoimmune diseases that you are battling against, like how present you have to be is just to just to be okay it's really inspiring to me because you just seem so full of life and just hearing you talk now even like I don't know like we were saying earlier I don't know when the last time is I saw you but it's been a long time and so I don't know if just like I've learned a lot this year and just hearing you talk and share your story right now is just really really encouraging to me so thank you very much I'm super excited that it's recorded so everyone else gets to hear it too (laughs) Me too. I love hearing how the way that you engage people on these topics not only helps us learn and helps those who listen learn, but it helps you learn, you know? I feel like the more each of us learns about accepting and loving and broadening what we know, the more each of us gets to put love in the world. And honestly, that's a lot of what we need right now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, Megan. Okay, I have I have one more question for you, and it's a little bit it's a little bit um, off topic, but you got to be ready. Let's for do it. it. So, I'm ready. Okay, you're ready. Okay. Normally, I prepare these before, but I forgot to prepare, so I'm just gonna start talking and see what comes out of my mouth. I love it. Um, would you rather have to ride on a turtle everywhere you go, no matter what? Like you're going from the kitchen to the living room, you're going to the bathroom. <laughs> Got it. On a turtle all the time. And this turtle's pretty cool. You guys have a pretty decent relationship, but sometimes he gets a little sassy if he gets too too tired. So important details right there. Very important details. Um, Or would you rather every time you had to go to the bathroom, someone on the other side of the world was gifted an ice cream cone that didn't taste very good. (laughs) (laughs) I really love this analogy. This is really great. Oh my goodness. How do I decide? Because on the one hand, turtles are pretty dope. So like, that's cool. But also on the same hand, you know, I don't want to hurt this poor turtle. Like I'm full of muscles. I work out a lot. So I don't want to hurt him. Okay. As long as she's cool with that. Yeah. He's prepared. Got it. Okay. And then on the other side of things, even ice cream that tastes bad is still ice cream. So That's true. It's like I, not like disgusting. It's just not like, it's just not very good. Right. I mean, we've all eaten ice cream at McDonald's before. So I think we're all aware <laughs> that there is ice cream in the world that's not disgusting, but also not very good. If there's Absolutely. any diehard McDonald's fans, I'm sorry if I offended you. <laughs> I can't eat dairy anymore. Right? By McDonald's. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole thing. I think I'd rather gift them the ice cream because I think, you know, there are people on the other side of the world that be like, you know, it's not great, but I guess I'll eat it. Yeah. Whereas me and the turtle would probably get into some arguments because I like to, you know, fly around my house when I'm cleaning. And I don't think the turtle would really like that. Come out of his comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. Like run up the stairs, run over there. That's a very very good answer. (laughs) <laughs> wow I just pulled that out of my butt I'm kind of impressed by myself a good answer there so beautiful I love <laughs> oh that oh my gosh <laughs> Megan you are amazing if anyone out there wants to find you on social media or find the program you do with your mom like what are ways people can search for you on the internet such a good question if you want to yes. find me I am Megan Purdue on Facebook 
And I think my picture is pretty easy to tell. I'm holding a violin and smiling. So hopefully that's a good indicator. Um, I am MJ Purdue on Instagram. And you can also follow my puppy at the Milo Bean because he's a little bean and also his name is Milo. Oh, my goodness. And my mom and I are to Purdue progress because we really wanted that progress, not perfection mantra to be like the top of the game for us. And we're on, we have a website, toperdueprogress.com. Our Instagram is toperdueprogress, all that kinds of stuff. Our Instagram is where we probably post the most. You know, we have the most cool pictures and videos and laughing with the dog kind of stuff going on. Um, But yeah, you should find us and follow us. We'd love to be able to hear everyone's stories who's listening too. So please message us. We are quick to respond as long as we can find your message So send us a message and we want to hear from you. Yeah, that is awesome. Everyone go follow Megan. And I forgot to mention that she is a badass violin player. That is (laughs) a whole other conversation. Or no. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. For a second, I was like, that's a violin, right? Yes. I also played viola, but we keep that on the down low. Okay. No, it's okay. I love viola. Nobody nobody judge the viola. I do love viola. (laughs) No, oh I play violin. Gosh. That's my, my day job is teaching at a couple of universities and playing the violin, which is pretty cool. Ah, dude. So, so cool. Well, Megan, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I cannot wait to post it and share it and tell everyone about it because you're a badass and your story matters. So thank you so much for sharing it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I love you so much, friend. I will talk to you soon. And yeah, I'll see you later. Okay. Love you too, friend. Bye. Bye. so much for listening to today's episode of the unity project podcast if you enjoy these podcasts and you want to support and get behind what i'm doing with them then it would mean the world to me for as little as one dollar a month you can support this show by going to my patreon page at patreon.com slash jackie g tv to support this show that's where you could get exclusive behind the scenes looks at things potentially be a guest on the show lots of really cool stuff over there or if you're interested in learning more about my story and how I got here and what this process has looked like for me, then you should go check out my book, Finding Home. You can go find that at JackieGronland.com. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you guys next week.